Welcome back to Red Cedar Radar. Paul is joining me again on the pod to talk basketball this time. Our previous episode, we kind of gave a rundown on everything that's happened recently with the football program and the new staff. Now we're going to switch gears and talk basketball. Paul, what do you think about the basketball team so far just off the top of your head? Well, I think we've seen a pretty major shift over the last three weeks or so. Um, and I, I forget exactly what the situation was the last time we recorded and talked about basketball, but I believe it was prior to the big win over Baylor. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe sometime around the time where the Spartans dropped the first two Big Ten games against Wisconsin and Nebraska. Um, and so clearly things have taken a major um, shift in the positive direction since then. I think uh, there's a lot of hand wringing going on, you know, before that big win over Baylor uh, with, with some good reason. I mean, cause the team frankly looked, looked bad. Um, those yeah. losses, especially to Nebraska was pretty, um, that was, that wasn't great. Um, and, you know, anytime you have, I believe five losses at the, you know, in December, that's usually not a good thing. Even if you're playing a, you know, a Tom Izzo level schedule. So that, that was a, a level for concern. Now, I was never super worried. Like I was, I was getting worried. I don't know if I was quite too worried, but I wasn't worried yet. And I think fortunately, you know, as it has happened, what, 25 years in a row now, um, Izzo kind of worked some Izzo magic. The team kind of got their heads straight or whatever else needed to happen. And they got a little healthier too. Um, and since they've won four straight. So, you know, starting with that, that absolute thrashing of Baylor and Little Caesars Arena, which was a really fun game to watch. And you could argue, one of the most impressive wins in the last, I mean, 10 and 20 years. I mean, just based on the opponent and the, the margin of victory, uh, that was a very impressive win. It, I think I would almost uh, personally have to go back to, and this may predate you a little bit, Sydney, I'm, I'm not sure, but the, uh, the the 2009 tournament run, MSU played Louisville. Um, and Louisville was the number all the number one overall seed in that tournament. And, and I thought MSU just physically dominated them. And by halfway, you know, it, I've almost never seen a team literally give up but that Louisville team gave up with 10 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. They're just like, we're, nope, we're done. And, and it was obvious. It was very obvious. And, you know, that Baylor game was over in the first half. I mean, it really was. And that's a, that's a well-coached, good team. So, so that was nice to see. Um, and then, of course, uh, Spartans have had three good wins uh, since then, including the one yesterday against Indiana State, which I believe uh, you were there to cover. And yes, I was actually I was there, there as a fan for the first time in like Woo! four years. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think going back to the Baylor game, obviously they dominated, but it just seemed like the morale of the team was way higher than it had been in previous games. It was a one a necessary win for the record and like for, you know, beating, <coughs> excuse me, beating Baylor as that high level opponent, but it was very necessary I think for the locker room and the team as well because I've seen a different team in those three wins since that game, just leadership wise, organizationally being connected on the court. Um, they, you know, there's always going to be slips back into kind of that, that messy play that we saw at the beginning of the season, I think with this team, but overall, I think it's on the up from here. I that would be my prediction, obviously big 10 play. And we'll talk about this, I think too, but big 10 play is a very different ball game. Um, But I was very pleased yesterday with what I saw in the Indiana State game in the second half when Indiana State kind of cut the lead a couple times and every single time the Spartans were able to 
regroup and rally each time. And I felt like it was different guys doing different things in those rallies. It wasn't all on Tyson Walker's shoulders, which it had been previous to that Baylor win. AJ Hogard kind of stepped up. We had a great tip from Jaden Akins. Even Trey Holloman, I think, drew, I think, a good foul at the end, like drove into the lane um, and brought a spark. So it was different guys and Malik Hall, different guys doing different things, which is necessary, um, especially because we can talk about this subject now. Jeremy Fears is going to be out for the rest of the season. So some of those other guys are going to need to step up a little bit more because I always thought he was kind of a player that brought a little bit of a spark and a little bit of energy when needed, even though he is young. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, a sorely missed going into Big Ten play. Um, and Izzo kind of touched on that himself in the postgame presser yesterday as well. Any thoughts on that? At all, Paul? Yeah, I, I think just to touch on the, the Jeremy Fear situation, I, I'm sure that most people listening to this are probably aware, but he was, mm-hmm. um, when he was back at home after uh, the Stony Brook game, which was a few days before Christmas, he went home to Joliet, Indiana, or Illinois, I'm sorry, Joliet, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the accounts that we've heard, which is somewhat limited information, he was in a, uh, a house party basically, you know, catching up with some old friends. Um, it was about three or four in the morning. It sounded like it was the party was just kind of breaking up. And then uh, somebody, an, an unknown assailant in a ski mask came in and just started ran, randomly shooting. Um, he was hit in his leg, in his thigh. Uh, the bullet was lodged into his femur. And so it required surgery to remove the bullet. Um, it was not life-threatening. Apparently, it just barely missed an artery that would have been significantly more serious if it was like an inch to the right or to the left. Uh, also, one of his... Um, companions i guess there was a uh, i believe a 19 year old woman that was also hit in the abdomen and had a or the pelvis i think i heard both of those i'm not sure which is correct um it was even said in one article and i've only seen this one place that um jeremy actually helped to kind of stop the bleeding for the his his friend that was mm-hmm. also injured um so that just kind of shows you the uh the, the type of person that he is and and how he responded to that type of crisis which is consistent with what we've heard about him i mean we've heard that that Jeremy is a, you know, Mateen Cleaves-esque leader. And, and Izzo has said that himself, and he does not throw that type of praise around lightly. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like um, he was at the game yesterday. He was on crutches. Um, and I think that's that's a good thing. Um, the team certainly, you know, didn't seem deflated by the situation. I mean, you you never know emotionally how, you know, 18 to 20, 22-year-old young people are going to respond to a situation like that. But um, it seems to be fine. Um, and... Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's unlikely that he's going to return this year. I, I really have a hard time imagining that he'll play. Um, yeah. I, I've seen some speculation from some some Michigan State folks that are in the medical that are in the you know the medical field, um, which I am not, that suggest that they think there is a possibility that he could come back sooner. But I mean, what? I mean, the kid's on crutches now. Like, what kind of shape is he going to be in? It just doesn't yeah. seem yeah likely. Um, Something that I was happy to see yesterday when I was at the game, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but he would get up during timeouts, walk, cr- use his crutches to walk out into the huddle um, every, like almost every time. So, and, and no boot or like anything like that. And so he's able to put like, other than the crutches, the majority of his weight on that leg, which I feel like are both positive things that he's able to get up and move you know, easily, I mean, timeouts happen fast. You kind of got to be up and out there, um, which I thought were, those were positive things. Although I just don't, why, why risk yeah. 
coming back after that sort of injury. I mean, obviously I know why he, he would want to come back Mm -hmm. obviously, but you know, I think he's going to be someone that Izzo goes to in the future. Like obviously that was the plan to bring him in, in this whole recruiting class to kind of take over for the guy, the veteran guys that will be leaving this year. So why risk that in the future with coming back too soon? And obviously Izzo smart with injuries like we've seen <clears throat> already this season, you know, that who, who is it? I can't think of their name and I should know. Jackson Kohler. Jackson and, um, That's embarrassing. Garrett Norman, both in boots, but not no longer yeah. in boots. Yeah. And well, and Jackson Kohler was seen doing like, um, what, what do I want to say? Like uh, contact warm up before the game at Indiana State. So that's a huge plus, I feel like. But they were careful. They put the boot back on him when he was having soreness, didn't rush it. Now he's back out of the boot doing just warm-up. So they're smart with that sort of stuff, so they'll know what's best for Jeremy. But a very sad situation overall. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, hopefully, of course, we all hope that he makes a full recovery. Um, I mean, there's no reason to expect that this is going to – um, you know, impact his life outside of basketball. It seems like he'll make a full recovery as far as that goes. Um, now, hopefully he'll be able to make a full kind of basketball recovery. I mean, you always right. worry with any type of serious injury that, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be some level of athleticism that's lost. Um, you, you just never know how the body's going to recover. But, I mean, he's a young person. He'll probably heal pretty quickly. And yeah. and it's not like he's Cohen Carr, for example, like that that relying on his uh, like ninety ninth or ninety nine point nine percentile athleticism is is a big part of his game. Yeah, you know he's a point guard and he's smart and he's a leader and those things a leg injury is not going to impact as much. Um, but yeah, it's sad that he he won't be able to see more time. I mean, um, he wasn't contributing a lot from a scoring standpoint, but from an assist mm-hmm. standpoint and a leadership standpoint, which he yeah. can still provide from the bench and and also from a um, just a defensive and assist standpoint, um, he was doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to note in that, that win over Oakland, um, he actually played a pretty interesting role in that game because Oakland had, uh, was applying kind of a junk zone. It was a, uh, it was hard to explain. And I guess I'm not as much of a basketball tactician to explain the details of it, but Oakland was playing a zone that gave the Spartans trouble in the first half of yeah. that game. And it was a, that game was a little bit tight. I don't know if, I don't think the Spartans ever trailed in the game, but Oakland was giving them a little trouble as Oakland does. I mean, that's a, that is a rivalry and it's, it's, it's serious. Um, but by the second half, I think that Michigan state kind of figured it out. And part of what they were doing was actually using fears in the middle of the zone, which I don't, I mean, usually you don't see the point guard um, doing that. And I mean, the Spartans are blessed with quite a few good ball handlers this year, which is, one of the reasons I think the ceiling for the team remains very high. Um, but I thought that was quite interesting to see a freshman point guard, you know, kind of dissecting the zone from the, from the top of the free throw line. I mean, usually you have a power forward, somebody like Malik Hall or Draymond Green, you know, that, that type of player, like a bigger player that's a good passer, you usually try to do that. But to, to do it with a 6-1 point guard is a little unusual. And he, and he did really well. So that was, that was one of the notable storylines from that, from that game. And, you know, he was showing a lot of growth. Um, and, you know, that's going to be, you know, curtailed now, but, you know, it's kind of what I hope to see. And I didn't notice this yesterday when I was in the, in the stands, I was actually kind of behind the bench in the lower bowl, but up quite a few rows is if I were Izzo, I would park fears right next to him. I would, I would sit um, fears on one side of coach and just, just, you know, just feed him, you know, just, just, you know, get like a heavy dose of coaching one oh one of like, this is Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. 
because I think that could really pay dividends later. Because, I mean, this is the yeah. guy that you want to be the coach on the floor going forward. And I think yeah, he's got yeah. every bit of capability to be a you know, very high level. So as I say, park him next to Izzo, let him soak it all in. Next time I see Izzo, I'll let him know that. Yeah, what we okay, do that. From here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good plan. Something that you kind of touched on a little bit with Oakland um, was kind of the unique zone that they were running and how it kind of gave Michigan State a little bit of trouble. Izzo talked about how in the press conference yesterday how – many different types of teams they've seen so far going into Big Ten play and how valuable that has been. Sometimes I get a little bit scared by how the schedule is built and how, like, tremendous of, you know, teams that we have to play or they have to play before they head into Big Ten time. But that's a really good point that he made, and I feel like it's been really good for this new mix of players, I know we have a lot of veterans, but I feel like he's running things a little bit different and he has a mix of some different guys out there that maybe didn't play too much time together last season. Um, I feel like that's going to be really valuable going into Big Ten play. I don't know that for sure, obviously, but he touched on it, and that was something I was kind of thinking of too. Although it was a daunting schedule, they are really battle-tested um, at this point heading into those really important, you know, games. Any thoughts? uh, Yeah, sorry. Any thoughts about, like, the Big Ten schedule and how you think MSU will match up with some of those teams? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that as we we sort of look forward to some of the Big Ten schedule, as as you mentioned, playing different styles is always important, although I don't think there's a lot of Big Ten teams that really play a lot of zone. Um, that, Mm -hmm. That sort of comes and goes, but, I mean, certainly by the time you get to the NCAA tournament, Right. You gotta have faced. Then. I mean, it it just yeah. pays such dividends to to because you just never know, especially that first round game. You know what kind of yeah. team you're gonna draw, um, and so having that experience of playing some different styles is certainly very important. And and Izzo's always um, kind of prioritized that. Yeah. Um, and I think it was it was also good um, leading up to the Big Ten season that Indiana State tested MSU a little bit in the second half mm-hmm. because you know when the wins over Baylor and in Oakland and, and especially over Stony Brook you know, basically by halftime, those games are over. Um, And and Michigan State has struggled to close out close games. Um, If we think of the James Madison loss, MSU had a lead late, let it get to overtime and lost. Um, Michigan State was up on Arizona with five minutes to play and couldn't close it out. Um, I think they were within shouting distance of Duke and couldn't close it out. And they had a lead at Nebraska late and they couldn't close it out. So when Indiana State actually took the lead yesterday, um, as we're recording this, it was yesterday, and then Michigan State was able to kind of put a, like a 12 to 2 run on them, I believe is what yeah. it was, and, and push that lead back to 10. I think that was very significant uh, because they could have very easily, um, you know, had the same storyline point out, play out, and it could have gone yep. down to the wire like James Madison did. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think, honestly, if you look at Ken Palm, this would back this up. Um, Indiana State's a little better than James Madison, um, even though um, James Madison is undefeated and ranked, and Indiana State is not. On a neutral court, that would be a close game, and I think in Indiana State would be favored. And and I'll tell you, that team ran some good offense. They really they did. They I did. Mean, yeah, there was a couple times I was looking at the, I don't know, it's, I don't know exactly what it's called. It's like the report where they show where all the shots went in, mm-hmm. and it was like perfect around that three point arc. Like they they could not miss. And I also just thought that they played really well together. Like they just were a machine. Mm-hmm. There what there maybe there were a few times that 
guys weren't doing what they were supposed to do or whatever, but there wasn't a lot of that that I noticed. They were really well oiled, which I was yeah. impressed with. Yeah. I mean, the way that they ran screens and picks and cuts, yeah. and I mean, MSU really, I think, played very good defense yesterday because, I mean, Indiana State's been putting, I mean, they, they were one of the leaders of all Division One in, in offensive efficiency, and they were the yeah. number one shooting team coming in in yeah. effective field goal position. You know, not just top yeah. five, number one. And they showed yeah. why. <laughs> so Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. That was, they were good. And, and I will mm-hmm. say, though, in the second half of that game, I think we did see Cohen Carr getting a little bit exposed on defense. Um, and I, I'd have to yeah. to go back and check, but it looked like when in uh, the Sycamores had that big spurt right after halftime and took eventually, you know, erased the 10-point deficit and took the lead, I think Cohen was kind of at the scene of the crime a few times on defense. Um, and, I, and, you know, he's a freshman, so mm-hmm. I, that's it is what it is. Like, it's a good yeah. learning experience for him. Um, but yeah. I think we, you know, they Hall had to go back in. He had a little foul trouble, and then Hall had to go back in. And I don't think he came out after like the twelve minute mark or something. Yeah. Well, I think Izzo even said because someone brought up in the presser no Booker, and he was like, mm-hmm. "We tried to get Booker in, but it just didn't work." And then they brought up Cohen Carr, and he was kind of like, "Well, you know, he's a freshman," and we saw as a reminder that he is a freshman today, and just kind of left it at that. So, I mean. He's a he's a spark. He's a fun player. I think he still needs some development, obviously, because yeah. he is a freshman. Um, and it, it's good to be reminded of that sometimes because sometimes I get hyped up and I want him to dunk it all the time, and then I forget. Well, he has to go play defense too. So yeah, yeah both sides of the court definitely. And, and I think he's shown he's shown improvement. I think he's shown growth. He looks like he's a hard worker and he's got a he's got a high level motor and he has played For sure. good defense, which frankly is <clears throat> better than I expected so far. But you know, he's, he's a freshman. He's going to be inconsistent and that's completely understandable yeah. and, and to be expected. So yeah. that's okay. I, I feel like all of the freshmen are moldable mm-hmm. and they're going to be, I mean, great. They are great players, but they're going to be great players under Izzo after they kind of let him use his, like you said, Izzo, Izzo magic on them a little bit. Um, they have great foundations and I think they're all, they all fit in Izzo's scheme really well. Mm-hmm. Um, from what we've seen early in this season. So I'm excited yeah. about their trajectory this season, but then also in years to come, I think so. Yep. Completely agree. So Michigan state will t- take on Penn state on January 4th for the is alumni game. I'll be there being oh, nice. you know, an alumni in the stands. Uh, any thoughts just on Penn state themselves? Well, Penn State, I mean, they're right now, if um, you believe some of the metrics, they are the weakest team in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. being that that's a home game, uh, that should be the easiest game left on MSU's schedule. So <laughs> yeah. that that um, that should be a W, let's, let's hope. Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. you know, you can't really take any Big Ten game for granted, but of course. Um, that's kind of a nice way to get back into the Big Ten season, considering how the first two games went. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be good. But after that things get really, really interesting. And I think that's where we're going to really find out um, how good the Spartans really are, because that's, there's a, after Penn state, there's a stretch of uh, basically six games that I think will really tell us whether this team's a contender or not. And I think they still could be a contender in in the big 10, although there's some challenges there that we'll probably touch on. Um, But after Penn state, the, uh, the six game gauntlet that basically takes this almost to the end of January is um, at Northwestern, followed by at Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. And then he got home against Rutgers in Minnesota. And those two teams are, they're, they're kind of in the bottom, 
you know, they're drifting to the bottom of the standing. So those games should be okay. Um, but then you got a road game at Maryland and a road game at Wisconsin. So those are, um, you know, those, those three road games are, you know, basically uh, four of the, the toughest seven games left on the, the whole schedule. You know, if you were to kind of rank them from easiest to hardest. Yeah. So, you know, and right now MSU is projecting to be favored at Northwestern and at Maryland, and they're favored to be an underdog or more likely to be an underdog at Illinois and at Wisconsin. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think in that, that next batch of, you know, seven games, uh, you know, the Spartans need to, they need to come out of that with no few, no more than two losses. Um, yeah. And so that would, uh, and, you know, obviously the ones you'd, you know, winning at Illinois is always hard. And I know they have a, uh, a legal situation, so to speak, with one of their top players. Um, yeah. That I've not hit sounded. It didn't sound great to start with. I guess I'll just say that. Yeah. So I think they said he was actually arrested, which is usually not good. So we'll see how that impacts them. And of course, going to Wisconsin in the Kohl Center, although Michigan State's yeah. played well there, honestly, the last few years. Um, we've already seen that team beat us by 10 points once. So, um, you know, those are going to be tough games. And any road game in the Big Ten's hard. So I think that's really going to tell us if this team can, can actually challenge for the Big Ten or not. Yeah, that's I feel like that's a, my measure every year looking ahead to March, if they can do it on the road in the Big Ten against any of the opponents, because mm -hmm. any opponent in the Big Ten on the road, like you said, is just hard. It, it's a tough game, tough environments. If they can make it out of some of those road games with nice quality wins, then I'm feeling much better going into March. If they struggle on the road, but kind of win always at home, I'm a little more shaky, even if they look good because they don't have those wins on the road. So January will, will be interesting to see how they can do um, based on yeah. them being on this uptick already. I'm curious. Yeah. So, I mean, if they, as I say, you, you can't, you can't lose more than two and that would, that would still yeah. put them at five and four because they're already in the hole um, right. in those first nine games. So, you know, that'll be kind of a good benchmark to look at, you know, are they, mm -hmm. you know, are they at five and four if they're at six and three, then I think you got something going. Then you can finish strong because yeah. the back end of the schedule is not that bad. You're right. Um, the stretch after the the game at Wisconsin, um, there's a couple tough games in there. Clearly, I mean the um, mm -hmm. they'll have a they got Illinois again at home, and they got Michigan on the road. And Michigan, mm -hmm. you know, it's always going to be They're tough to play card. Michigan. They're struggling. They're on yeah. the struggle bus this year. But um, I mean that you know. The Spartans should have probably won the last two in Chrysler and haven't got it done. So mm -hmm. you know, we'll see if this year's yep. any different. Um, but but the Spartans will be pretty heavily favored in that that next group of uh, I guess it's yeah. eight games total. So that'll be when they can really start to to make a run in the standings if they can you know not pick up too many losses in January before. Yeah. Um, and then to end things out, you got at Purdue, which you never count at Purdue as a win, especially this year. Um, so. You know, and unfortunately, Michigan State only gets Purdue once, and it's it is on the road, um, yeah. so that's going to be tough. Um, but then you end with uh, Northwestern at home and um, Indiana on the road, and Indiana is not looking great. So, um, yeah. you know, right now I did some um, some preseason math to sort of go through some of these things, but you know, actually MSU's strength of schedule, Big Ten schedule, is actually one of the one of the softest in um, in the conference overall. Oh. And with um, the two two fairly challenging games already in the rearview mirror in the Wisconsin and, and the, the road game at Nebraska, um, the remaining schedule is the easiest in the conference. And so that's, okay. 
that's encouraging. Um, yeah, and we kind of went through the reason why there, there's actually yeah. only three games, the road games at Illinois, Wisconsin, and Purdue that, that MSU is, is predicted to be an underdog. So um, if they win all the games they're favored in, that could be a final record of 15 and five. I think everybody would be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, will that happen? That's tough. Cause you gotta, you know, mm. it's, it's yeah. tough to win all those toss ups. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm excited for January because I think they can really make some noise with some of those wins. Uh, and I didn't know that about the, the strength of schedule, you know, as it compares. So that's really interesting. Um, and I hope that that, you know, bodes well for them going forward. Cause I think they might need it. Yeah, they should. And, um, yeah, they definitely could use the help. Uh, it's, it's kind yeah. of a, I mean, I guess some fans would find this a cruel irony, but yeah, Michigan state schedule is one of the easiest, actually the hardest big 10 schedule, uh, goes to the Michigan Wolverines. Um, um, <laughs> and if you're, if you're curious, it's actually worth about a game or a game and a half in the standings. So, okay. you know, that, that's, that's what the, the math tells me about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, Michigan's behind the eight ball now. They, um, they're going to have trouble making the postseason this year, I think. So, yeah, I wonder. We don't have to go too too far on this tangent, but I'm curious if they'll stick with Jawan Howard <clears throat> going forward if things go south like they did last season. So, it, it does. Yeah, it's be interesting to watch. It, it's hard to imagine if they, in fact, kind of continue on the same trajectory and they don't make the NCAA tournament again, and he continues to have some off the court issues, so to speak yeah. of yeah. them keeping him. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, that strange things happen and maybe they'll offer him a contract extension. Harbaugh esque. Mm -hmm. um, who knows? Mm -hmm. Never know. Logic. Yeah, they will keep him forever. There. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So I've kind of given a couple points about like what I've seen from the leadership standpoint and a couple of the players that I've been impressed with, but as far as like big picture stuff, what does the math say from your standpoint? Well, um, as far, far as MSU can go. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, as far as the big 10 race goes itself. Um, I mean, right now, as I said, you know, MSU is actually, they're projecting. If you take all of the, you know, all the probabilities together, they're projecting with a final record of 12 and eight. Um, okay. So I mentioned they're, they're going to be favored in, a lot of those games, but a lot of them are toss-ups, you know, they're sort of mm -hmm. on the positive side of the toss-up, which means, you know, you're not going to likely, you're not, you're going to drop one or two more. So, yeah. you know, uh, instead of 15 and five, that's the sort of very optimistic look, um, you know, 12 and eight is kind of where they're, they're um, projected to, to land uh, most likely. Now um, Purdue, of course, is still, you know, ranked in the, t I, they might, are they number one? I haven't actually checked the AP poll because the yep. AP poll doesn't matter at all in basketball number one number one good job boilers boiler up um uh, i did mention that I, I do have a degree from purdue right i think i've mentioned that before but anyway you have it's fine. you have it's fine <laughs> um but yeah purdue is still projected as the uh, uh the top team um they're actually projected to finish around 16 and 4 and so that kind of tells you what the odds are, you know, MSU's odds to win the to actually be able to to get up there to compete for a big 10 title because yeah. you know most likely 16 and four, maybe even 17 and three is going to be needed to win the big 10 or to share the title. Yeah. And Michigan state's already got two losses. So, mm -hmm. you know, the it's, it's still possible. I give the Spartans a 5% chance one in 20 could be worse. Um, you know, if everything kind of breaks right. And that would mean Michigan state's got to 
you know, they got to they got to make up for those two mulligans that they had early in the season. And maybe, you know, they probably are going to need to finish at, at least 15 and five, if not 16 and four and have Purdue trip up a few times, which is yeah. certainly possible. Yeah, we've seen them trip up before. We have. We have. <laughs> and, you know, and again, you know, you're only one twisted ankle from Zach Eady yeah. away from everything changing. And, 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 and I don't, you know, yeah. that's that's more just the reality yeah. of the situation than, you know, right. wishing an injury on a kid, which I would never do, of course. But, you know, that weird things happen, you know, mm-hmm. kids get arrested in champagne, for example. So, um, yeah, you know, things can happen. Um, and speaking of champagne, the, uh, the sort of next two teams in line, Illinois and Wisconsin are both looking at round 14 and six is what their record is projected at. They're both kind of neck and neck for that sort of second place in the big 10, um, mm-hmm. area. And then the Spartans are, um, kind of even with Ohio state kind of, um, a projected record of around 12 and eight. So, um, Ohio State's also blessed with a very easy schedule. I think their schedule is slightly easier than Michigan State's overall. Okay. Um, and even though Ohio State's not as, they're not supposedly as good as Michigan State. Um, if you look at the the predictive rankings, Michigan State's around number twenty in Ken Palm, um, but that would be the other team that's kind of in Michigan State's tier right now. So, you know, right now, if if you project things out. Um, the Spartans are most likely to land in that kind of, you know, cusp between having the, you know, getting a, a double buy in the Big Ten tournament with a four seed, or possibly, mm-hmm. you know, having to start one day earlier with the five seed, which is what, yeah, or no, that it, MSU was a four seed last year, as I recall. So that's kind of where they sit. Um, now the rest of the conference, honestly, no other team is predicted to really finish with more than above five hundred in the league, um, with like Northwestern and Nebraska and Iowa are kind of that next tier. So mm-hmm. you know. I don't think it's the type of year where you're going to see a team that doesn't get to 500 make the NCAA tournament in, in Big Ten play. So we could only yeah. be seeing five Big Ten teams in, in the NCAA tournament this year. Okay. So um, interesting. Yeah, that'd be my pick right now. I haven't looked at the bracketology because again, bracketology in December doesn't matter. It does not yeah. matter. Um, there's been a lot of fun, to, you know, banter with Seth Davis on Twitter about like trying to defend MSU and how they they should be ranked, and it's like Seth, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't so let's not let's not freak out about that so anyway it's it's all just uh for fun this time of year until the you know stuff gets real maybe in february early february yeah. is when you start looking at bracketology because that's when it actually starts to matter a little bit um yeah so yeah so that's that's where their things are projecting now i i think a fourth or fifth place finish is most likely um um but that's why they play the game so hopefully this the spartans can kind of win a few more of those toss-ups than they'll than they could potentially lose yeah yeah and i i'm feeling much more confident about that now than i would have four games ago four games ago i would have said we're gonna lose all of those toss-ups because <laughs> we're not organized we don't really have a leader we don't really know what's going on we lose the ball all the time can't make shots tyson walker is exhausted from carrying everyone on his back mm-hmm. and now <clears throat> i mean Tyson can miss a couple shots and it's okay. Not that I want him to miss a couple shots, but I feel like that lets him play a little more easy breezy and he can feel like he can pass the ball around a little bit more. And I don't know. I, I just noticed yesterday in the Indiana state game that he just seemed a little more at ease on the court. It wasn't all got to make the shot, got to make the shot or we're going to lose. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't all, all pressure all the time. So I'm feeling optimistic about going into big 10 play the numbers, I guess, um, kind of go along with that as well with what we've seen. Um, and I just, here's my, here's my question. 
why do you think they started off so slow? What was the problem? Do you have um, any? I think it was a combination of a few things. Um, and I think Tyson Walker was a little dinged up and then he got the flu mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Willie Call had the flu. So you had a couple yeah. guys that were not quite at a hundred percent. And then you had, you know, AJ Hogard, bless his soul, um, is mm -hmm. a bit inconsistent still. And when he yeah. is not kind of fully locked in, then that's a problem. And he, and, and since the, to his credit, since the Baylor game, he has been. And, yep. you know, the difference in the team between the sort of good version of AJ and the media and the sort of average version of AJ is pretty significant. Um, yep. Especially yep. when you have Walker and Hall, not really up to, you know, playing to their potential either. Right. Um, and then you have Jade Nakins, who again, had a tough start to the year shooting wise. He seemed a little bit mm -hmm. frustrated and that can carry over. I think one thing Izzo mentioned after the Stony Brook game is that in some of those losses, the, you know, the, the bad shooting was getting to their heads and it was starting to impact their defense. And that seems to be what happened in the, in both the Wisconsin and the Nebraska losses is that you just yeah. had, they had lost that their confidence got a little rocked and mm -hmm. they weren't quite healthy and just, it wasn't quite fitting together. Yep. And, you know, when you're, you know, with the players that we had just mentioned, Walker, Aikens, Hogard, Hall, those are your four best players. And when right. none of them are really playing to their potential, your team's yeah. not very good. Like, it's just, you know, any team in the country, if you take your top four players and they, you know, they're kind of, you know, playing media, just mediocre versions of themselves, you're just yeah. not a good team at that point. So right. um, now that they're sort of back to playing closer to their ceiling, then you see what this team can be. Um, yeah. And I think this team still has the potential to do some pretty good things in March. Um, and I mean, that, that remains to be seen, but yeah, um, there are some positive signs there. I think because we, or they, they started so highly ranked at the beginning of the season, then a couple of those things happened. I, I mean, I can't imagine how low morale was because you have all this hype around you mm -hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> a couple guys get sick. Things don't go the way that they're supposed to. I can't imagine how much that brings down the team. So I bet it took a couple games for that to kind of build back up. Uh, and what you mentioned about A.J. Hogard being consistent is, in my opinion, the key to all of this. Like, he needs to be consistent. He is so capable of being consistent and being a leader. And we, we've seen it. We saw it in Indiana State just, yes, just yesterday. And that needs to carry over into Big Ten play. Like desperately, I, I, last year I even said when he's not consistent, they, they don't play well. And I was hoping this year that him being, you know, much more mature had been, is a veteran, you know, it had been a leader is now a leader again, that he would be more consistent. And maybe it just took a little bit at the beginning of the season to find that stride, but I'm going to be fingers crossing for the rest of the season that he can keep that because I think he is the key to everything, which is yep. maybe scary, but I completely agree. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the difference between this team being, you know, kind of a, you know, NCAA tournament team that can threaten for the sweet 16 mm -hmm. to a team that can make the final four and threaten for the national title is a fully engaged AJ Hogarth yes. as well as and and to some extent Malik Hall, who's also been a, a struggle with inconsistency in his career. Mm -hmm. and, and he's, he's been, I think when he, when, he doesn't have the flu. He's been pretty consistent, right. but those two guys need to be consistent. And then Aikens mm -hmm. and Walker, I think will will sort of follow. Those guys are going to be, I think, okay, especially Walker yeah. is going to be 
You know, he's yeah. He, yeah. When, when Walker's on, he's a stone cold killer. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. There's just, you oh, can yeah. see when he has the ball, it's like, oh, he's going to score right now and no one can yep. stop him. And that's just yep. the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, seriously. Yeah. 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 You can just see it. Um, but as far as some of the, the big picture stuff, I, I just mentioned, I, I, I've always been high on this roster just because of the way it's constructed. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, anytime you have the kind of senior guard play and, and a lot of high level ball handlers, which, I mean, let's be honest in, in the guard rotation, almost everybody can play the point at this point. Um, no pun intended. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's a powerful thing. And, and that's one thing that you'll see in looking at some of the kind of statistical breakdown of this team is that they're actually very good with turnovers relative to past Izzo teams. Yeah. Um, they're not turning the ball over. I mean, that's been a storyline for decades, right? Like these old teams turn the ball over too much. Mm -hmm. That's not happening this year. Um, they're also creating more turnovers than usual. Um, and so that gives me optimism for kind of the future. Um, yep. and, and shooting is starting to come around. I mean, MSU's shooting defense has been very strong. The effective field goal percentage defense um, has been very strong. And I think the, the offensive numbers have started to improve. Those, of course, started kind of miserable as some of the three-point shooting especially was just abnormally poor but you did kind of assume that that would turn around because these are players that have all shown that they can you know sh hit about 40 percent from three and you know yeah. and you know more like 75 percent of their free throws which they were <laughs> below that um so that's starting to turn around which it's sort of regressing to the mean i mean it would it just doesn't make sense for a player to become a you know go from a 40 percent shooter to a 30 percent over an off season if he's there's no injury it doesn't make any sense um so that's encouraging. Um, as far as some of the, the weaknesses of the team, though, um, rebounding still is, is a concern. Um, I think in both offensive and defensive rebounding, they're, um, Michigan State's kind of the lower end of the Big Ten, like in the, in the double digits ranking-wise, which is never good for a Tom Izzo mm -hmm. team. And, um, and that's one thing, actually, after the Stony Brook game, um, the question I wanted to ask Tom Izzo, but I kind of chickened out because he basically answered it right before I was going to ask it, is if there was one thing that Izzo could ask Santa for, what would it be? And, and I think the answer would be better rebounding because um, that's still a bit of a problem. And even some of the mediocre rebounding teams we've faced, um, the Spartans have not, not really lit it up. And so yep. uh, that's a concern. Um, and then the other kind of weird weakness is this team's not getting to the free throw line very much, which is, you know, that, you know, the, the, the number of free throws per field goal attempt is, is pretty low. And I think they're also fouling a little bit more than, um, than average for compared to other big 10 teams. So uh, especially with a team that does get downhill quite a bit, I mean, think about the number of drives that yeah. Hogarth and Walker have to the basket. That yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Although maybe some of it's just post plays a little weaker than, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Zach Eady hits way more, you know, gets way more free throw attempts than say Maddie Sissoko yeah. does. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's the answer, but, um, but that is kind of the, the statistical breakdown of where this Michigan state team sits um, but from a big picture standpoint, what I, I like to look at some of the, the individual components of the of Ken Palm um, efficiencies to get a feel for where this team is. And if you look at kind of the offensive efficiency and the defensive efficiency, um, this team actually is already projecting to be a little better than the team ever was at any point last year, which I think is, is pretty That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the metrics, especially you can look at, is there are certain uh, basically – um, attributes of of past national champions that are basically almost always true. And one of the rough rules of thumb, and this is somewhat approximate, is that a team has to be in the top 40 in both offensive and defensive efficiency to, and I think every national champion back like since 2002, when the, when these numbers were 
readily available. That that's true. And right now there are 20 total teams that fit that um, fit those that criteria, and Michigan State is one of them. So if you know from that standpoint, is Michigan State still a national title contender? I would have to say yes. Um, and it's it would be still there. There's kind of like a a core zone, and there's like a sort of periphery zone, and, and the Spartans are still kind of in that periphery zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's encouraging. I mean, there's been other Tom Izzo teams that have done very well in March that have a very, very similar statistical profile to what they have now. Like the 2010 Final Four team, it looks very similar to this okay. year's team. So, um, so that is that's some things to give you some hope. Um, yeah, now, there's definitely. also several other Big Ten teams in that category. Wisconsin, Illinois, and Purdue are also national title contenders for that same reason, you could argue. Yeah. Um, now, typically, you need to get into the top six overall of Ken Palm to really be a national title contender. Um, and MSU is not not quite there yet. Could they get there? Possibly. Um, but that's kind of one one other thing to, to keep an eye out for. But but MSU is ranked number 20 in Ken Palm, and that's still pretty good. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see where this uh, where this takes them. Like I've said a couple times, I'm feeling really optimistic just based off these last couple games going into Big Ten play. I'm kind of excited before I maybe wasn't excited to watch the games just because I was things were kind of feeling like they were falling apart. And Mm -hmm. after having a football season that completely fell apart, I couldn't handle basketball falling apart too. So I've, I've been pleasantly surprised, pleasant or pleased, I guess, with how they've been doing. And I'm excited to see them play uh, their big 10 season because that's when things get most exciting. Like we've touched on away games and different things. Anything else that you want to say about basketball? Um, I'll just say that it was one of the exciting moments over the last couple of weeks was in the Stony Brook game when um, um, Nick Sanders hit a three-pointer. Yes. I don't know if you were, yeah. were at that game, mm-hmm. Sydney, but mm-hmm. um, that was pretty cool to see. I think, you know, obviously when it you're was. up 40 points on a team, the it's a good time for the walk-ons to start, you know, filling the stat sheet. And yep. um, a lot of folks wanted to see Tom Izzo hit a shot, obviously, but I believe Izzo actually got the assist to Nick Sanders, who buried he did. a three. Yes. Um, yeah. And that was pretty cool. I guess uh, David Harnes had a chance to interview Barry Sanders outside the locker room, which um, mm-hmm. uh, we were all wondering where he was because I was I was covering that game and uh, Ryan and I were sitting in the press room like, where did David go? But apparently he was, mm-hmm. you know, interviewing an NFL legend. So no big him. deal. Yeah, no big deal. Um, yeah. uh, but that was pretty cool. But I actually had a chance to talk to, to Nick um, in the in the preseason. MSU had their um, kind of on campus media day and mm-hmm. um, I had, uh, you know, carved some time out of my schedule to, to attend that. And, you know, they basically brought out all of the players, like every single player, all the walk-ons, everybody. And, you know, the members of the media got maybe 30, 45 minutes to talk to each of them. And they kind of rotated through. And, and, mm-hmm. and at some point I went up talking to Nick and, um, you know, I'm just like sitting at a table, just like right in front of him, just like asking mm-hmm. him questions. And, uh, you know, he was, he's a, he's a nice, he's a nice young man. So it was good to kind of talk yeah. to him. I believe he said he's a, con- he's a, I don't want to say a concert pianist, but I believe he, he can play the piano oh. actually quite well, which I think was uh, interesting. Kind of fun to learn. So that is cool. It's one of the perks of this uh, this job, so to speak, or this um, hobby, whatever you want to call it, is you get to meet some of these kids, you know, face to face, and get to know them as people a little bit, which is is fun. Yeah. It's um, yeah. it, it's really is. And fun. I think important because yeah. a lot of people don't remember that they are kids and they are yep. people. So that's a it's a good reminder for me sometimes as well. Mm. Uh, I saw after he made that bucket that he latched onto that basketball and was not going to let it go. And I think he gave something, gave a quote about, you know, what are you going to do with the ball? And he said, I'm going to keep it forever or something, which I think I thought was super cool. Yeah. 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 All 
right, Paul. Well, thank you so, so much for joining and talking about MSU basketball, one of my favorite things to do. Michigan State will be taking on Penn State at the Breslin on January 4th at 7 p.m. And the game's on Peacock, which I'm not really a fan of, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. They didn't ask my opinion. But uh, check that game out on Peacock and check out our coverage of the game at Spartans Illustrated. So subscribe to our site for football and basketball coverage. We do a lot of great stuff and our team kind of pumps out articles 24-7, basically. Um, Keeps everyone up to date on anything Michigan State Athletics related. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spartans Illustrated, and find this podcast on YouTube or anywhere that you listen. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, lots of options. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you all again shortly. Have a very happy new year, and probably by the time this is out, it will be 2024. So, you know, get those New Year's resolutions going, and I will see you all again shortly. Thanks so much for joining, Paul. Bye-bye. No problem. Anytime, Sydney.